Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we'll be talking about the Rangers. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. Hello, everybody, and welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News sports podcast i am kevin sherrington sitting across from me today in the our little podcast room here in podcast utopia podcastopia is is none other than evan grant evan it is so great to actually have you here in the studio with us we 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 hear you so often on the air um and then to see you actually in person is really it really means something to me well, Kevin, you asked me to be in here extra early for your convenience today, even though I'm in the middle of covering the draft, and I flew back from California yesterday, covered the draft last night, stayed up, wrote a couple columns, got in here early, and where were you? <laughs> it was a lot of bad traffic this morning. Not for me. Not and for I you? was coming from Flower Mound. Flomo. You, yeah, you were coming from practically Oklahoma. And that's that's the thing. Uh, I was coming from where Jameson Hannah comes from. Wow, there you go. You're you're making all your uh, all your links are, are today to people who were drafted. Is that correct? That's right. You know, Casey Mize once said that. <laughs> he, he did not say that. No. Casey Mize, the first pick in the draft. Yes, and Jameson Hannah of Dallas Baptist, and more notably Flower Mound. High school. Flomo. Was a first-round pick. Now, where exactly he went at this point in time, all the numbers are running together. So, uh, I will get that for you momentarily. That'd be great. If you could just go over the entire draft for us, that'd be super. There were a bunch of guys, some of whom were picked from high schools and some from colleges. (laughs) Okay. Where else would they be picked from? That's Like academies in Europe? Correct. Um, This isn't isn't like... You know, actually, the Rangers drafted a player... I can't remember if it was last year or the year before, a pitcher who um, came from Driveline Baseball uh, Academy. Driveline? Driveline, which is, you know, the, uh, the very... It's a car rental place, isn't it? You no, know, it's the metrically and um, sports science-related pitching academy where Trevor Bauer did all his workouts, where um, <clears throat> uh, actually Tim Linscombe had done all his workouts before this comeback, which we'll get to later, may or may not be a comeback before it's all yeah. said and done. Um, Are you saying that Tim's an alum of this school? But uh, this he, he kid had not colors? been in a school at that point in time, and he was drafted out of Driveline Baseball Academy. So they don't all come from colleges or high schools. Wow, that's great. All right, so great uh, anyway. Well, let's let's go over the, uh, the Rangers draft yesterday um, with their picks. Okay. They had two picks. They did. Yeah. And with their first pick, they took a uh, they took a kid uh, who uh, who clearly had been recruited by uh, Orange, California, and I think that that should be investigated as to how this kid transferred from Colorado for clearly for athletic purposes to play baseball in California in Texas, buddy. That's a that's a, a violation. Uh, Jamison Hanna, by the way, went number forty, <laughs> number fifty overall to. The Oakland Athletics, who also had a another notable pick, yes, they did yesterday, yes, um, they and did. we'll get to that eventually. But uh, uh, yeah, the Rangers got really their dream scenario when they uh, when they were able to get Cole Wynn with the fifteenth overall pick. Uh, 
he's a right-handed high school pitcher from Orange Lutheran High School in, in Orange County, California. Had been in Colorado previously. Um, think that the opportunity presented itself for him to pitch against the Trinity League in Southern California, which includes Modern Day and and uh, and Orange Lutheran, is considered one of the top baseball leagues in all in, in all of high school sports. Um, it's the same league that uh, that Garrett Cole pitched in because he attended Orange Lutheran, but had the opportunity to move from Colorado, where where the, the level of baseball was not as great, to California. His father works in. <laughs> It sounds like information technologies and and data marketing and maybe there's some uh, buying and selling of data. I don't know how well that goes over these days, but uh, his his father works in that in that side of the industry. And he he said last night that his father had the opportunity to. Most of his clients are based in Southern California. They had the opportunity to move out there rather than continue to live in Colorado, so they were able to exact you know, really improved two areas of, of, of their lives. His father was able to be closer to his clients, be at home more. He was able to get into a better baseball league, which he, he said last night, you know, he feels like really helped him uh, close the gap between where he would be as a high schooler and where he'd need to be as whether, whether he ended up going pro or, or went to college. So let me ask you this, Cole Reagans. Mm-hmm. Cole Hamels, Cole Wynn. Do you have to be cold and be drafted by the uh, Rangers these days? Don't forget third baseman Cole Enright also. Um, uh, no, you don't. But uh, Cole obviously is a very popular name these days. Uh, I, I think what you've, what you've got to be is uh, uh, a pitcher. Um, yeah, I that think helps. the Rangers made that. Very clear last night. Their first two picks were high school pitchers, and and I, uh, when I asked Kip Fag last night about about what when had been um, projected by Keith Law, who you know again, let's the mock baseball drafts are are as dicey as anything. Just went back and looked at Baseball America. They got seven picks in the first round, <laughs> correct, um, and three of them were the first three picks, which everybody pretty much was in agreement on. So it's not exactly an exact science, but and most of the time, most of the time, let's just get it up front. You hate Keith Law most of the time. Most of the time, yeah. Um, not always, but most of the time. Um, but Win had been projected as high as two by Keith Law early on. Um, Baseball America and MLB dot com, their experts all agreed that he was going to go ten to Pittsburgh in their mock drafts. That was three different guys, uh, and what I had heard was that there was no way he was going to get past Baltimore. Uh, at number eleven, I know this. I know this for a fact that when I went on a scouting trip with with Kip Fag in May, the one high school pitcher that, that boondoggle you went on, that big boondoggle that I yeah. went on when we wrote about the uh, the Ranger scouting department, and we'll uh, this week write a little bit more about the the players that we actually saw. Didn't see Cole win, but um, the one high school pitcher that he mentioned to me was Cole Wynn and he he said he thought there was going to be no chance that the Rangers would have to get him so this is a guy who had been at the top of their board for some time uh and as and let me just let me just uh, to re-emphasize that point or emphasize that point what did uh Kip tell you uh when you posted the five names that these are the Rangers 
you might be looking at. What did he tell you? The day of the draft. Well, I posted when uh, Ryan Weathers, who went seventh to San Diego. Um, I mentioned Kumar Rocker, who is a Scott Boris client who has not been drafted, and maybe that is a, a, a bonus-related uh, issue. mentioned Jordan Adams, an outfielder, high school outfielder, who's a wide receiver commit to the University of North Carolina. Um, and I mentioned... Uh, who was the other person that I mentioned? God, I'm, I might. Anyway, so I, I sent uh, I, I sent Kip my list of five guys just for for giggles, and uh, I said, "How how much of a chance do I have of getting any of these guys right?" And he said, um, "None." So, uh, <laughs> which I, is probably just a, a reflex reaction on his part, usually, and usually that's right. Um, but uh, oh, the other the other name that I had mentioned was Ethan Hankins, who's a high school pitcher from Georgia, who had gone into the season um, projected to possibly be the number one pick overall, but did not have a good season. Uh, there were some questions about his shoulder, and he actually fell to the to the end of the first round. So um, I, I I feel like their their feeling was that this was, you know, we wrote a story about the 2011 draft and how everything fell exactly as the Rangers did not want it to fall when they ended up taking Kevin Matthews in a first round selection that was not a good selection at all. I think this draft fell in so many ways, the ways the Rangers didn't foresee happening, but could only dream of. They could only dream of. Use that uh, use that term uh, quite a bit uh, in, in describing all this. A lot of, lot of dreaming going on. Well, uh, the draft is about dreams because all it is is, is you know, wild projections. And I think there's there's nothing better than, you know, to bring up the guy that you wrote about last night, Kyler Murray. Well, um, we, let's, we're going to bring him up in just a minute before I – Oh, okay. You, you just dictate the pace here. Go ahead. Oh, sure, yeah. Well, who, who introduced the show, me or you? Uh, you. Yeah. That's me. That's right, Bob. Don't forget that either. All right, so uh, here's an interesting thing to me before we get to uh, Kyler Murray is um, so Brady Singer, the Florida pitcher, uh, highly respected, also considered a top prospect in this draft. Correct? Had been rated, I believe, number four. Yeah, number, I, he was rated number four by Baseball America going into the into the draft. Yeah. And he was available to the Rangers when they picked at 15. I believe he went 18th. Is that not correct? Uh, 18th or 19th? To the Royals. Yeah. Um, he went 18th to the Royals. So here's a guy that uh, you would figure. Jordan Adams went to the Angels. I'm sorry. Yeah. Here's, here's, so here's a guy in Singer who uh, obviously you would believe a little more advanced than Cole Wynn at this point. We can all agree on that, right? Uh, physically, uh, certainly from a maturation standpoint, physically, mentally, closer to the uh, uh, to the big leagues if, if either one of them is going to uh, make that, and we're not going to make that a given with either one. Uh, we know how it goes in, uh, in baseball drafts. Um, our old buddy Pedro, when he, they interviewed him on MLB.com. Pedro who? You know the pitcher. Pedro Martinez. Pedro Martinez. Okay, because when you brought this up, I thought you were talking about Pedro Gomez. <laughs> okay, go ahead. No, no, no. Pedro said uh, he he really likes him. He thinks this he's ready to go. He's got uh, his mechanics are great. His demeanor on the mound is great. Uh, his pitches are good. Uh, that he's he's very close. So uh, my point to you is 
when I, I realize that the Rangers, this is their mo that they take high, they like high school players with high upsides. That's that's their mo. Hadn't worked out so great for them so far, but they're they're plugging away at it. Now here's a guy that kind of falls into your lap, I think, a little bit here. Uh, a college pitcher, very polished uh, and looks very good. God knows if any organization needs a young pitcher right now with some promise, it's the Texas Rangers. Uh, they had that opportunity, they passed, and they and they took the high school kid who probably, if everything works out great, is is four years away. Wouldn't mm-hmm. you say? Uh, yeah. Let's let's just say three to four years away. Absolutely. If, if, if everything works out great uh, for him. So, uh, meaning, meaning from this standpoint, I, I don't, I'm not really good at math, but that means 2021 or 22, right? Uh, before we, before we see much of uh, Colin Wynn, um, a Cole Wynn, excuse me. I don't know why I want to keep calling him Colin Wynn. Uh, but at any rate, um, do you think this is a because this is what the Rangers do? They they take guys, uh, high school guys, and they prefer them over college guys, no matter what. B it, was it a matter of uh, signability here? Could they? Was there a, was there going to be a problem with Singer's bonus? Had you heard anything like that? And see, doesn't this show that if anybody thought the, that John Daniels and his crew was in any trouble, this is perfect example of hey, we're we know we're we're fine. We're not going anywhere. I think uh, the best way I would describe it is this. Um, The Rangers, they're going to take. Uh, let me back up. Okay, go ahead. Pedro Martinez is a big league pitcher. Yeah, it's a Hall of Fame pitcher. Right. He sees. Okay, what's who's a guy who could compete in the big leagues right now? The Rangers and scouts are looking. Who's going to be the best pitcher long term? Sure. So their feeling is that Win was was a bigger talent than Singer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's clear that either there's some kind of medical red flag on Singer or some kind of signability issue that popped up because he did fall. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, he did. And, and, and I'd, I'd suggest it was the, the latter rather than the former. Um, but uh, I, I think the Rangers' perspective has always been we're going to take the guy that we think is going to ultimately be the better player. doesn't matter if he's here quicker. We're not going to go the safe route. Um, that's how you, you hit home runs, but there's also the matter with the, with the Rangers of that they have not developed any of their own, of their own pitching. Um, I will say this, you know, let's go back and just look one second at the 2011 draft when it comes to the idea of identifying talent. Uh Okay. And we wrote about what a disaster 2011 was. Uh, for the Rangers, particularly where the first pick was was concerned, Kevin Matthews, who did not ever advance. And that was the year the Rangers had only the 33rd pick overall because they had signed Adrian Beltre um, and, and given up their first pick. Uh, you know, the among the pitchers that the Rangers drafted that year, Brandon Woodruff in the fifth round, who's pitched in the big leagues now for Milwaukee. Kyle Hendricks, who we know pretty good, has pitched pretty well. Jared Eikhoff was a 15th-round pick. He's pitched pretty well in the big leagues. Nick Martinez, who has pitched okay in the big leagues, uh, but I think was rushed because of other issues uh, and is now pitching in Japan. Um, 
outfield Klein, who pitched briefly in the big leagues, 45th round pick Brandon Finnegan, who they knew they weren't going to sign, but Brandon Finnegan's turned out to be a pretty good talent, and C.J. Edwards, 48th. And my point here is I think they've done a pretty good job identifying talent. Um, the problem has been that either they've traded these guys away, as they did with, with a number of the guys, I just four of the guys that I just mentioned to you, mm-hmm. or they haven't developed. Um, so I, I, I think their develop, their identification skills are pretty good. Um, I, I think that they've, uh, uh, they're going to have to continue to work on, on both the identification and the development side. But I, I, I think from my perspective, in terms of identifying talent, they've done a pretty good job and, that's without going the safe route. You know, it's without saying we're going to take the guy we think is closer to the big leagues. We're going to take the guy that we think is going to have the better big league career. Yeah, I don't know if I would call anything safe. You know, and and he, and here here's my here's my argument about this. Let's say uh, you know There's nothing safe about the MLB draft. No, there's, right. no there's not. But there's safer. Well, probably, but but morally. But here's but here's the thing. You got Singer over here and you've got uh, Cole went over here, right? And and I'm guessing that if the if we could see their draft chart, that are they within five picks of each other? Are they within six? Are they within twenty? Are they thirty? I mean, are they looking at it like, oh, there's no way this singer kid's going to make it? Or or as as you said, if there's a signability issue, then that's a completely different matter. And and I think probably there there must be something for him to fall into eighteen. But but I will say this, and I do think if you look at if you look at the top of the first round, I do think that some teams, and and this was kind of the mo going in, was that there wasn't a lot of really elite elite talent at the top of the of the of the money at the top of the draft, right? And teams' bonuses are high. The bonus figures are high. The Rangers slot for the number fifteen pick is recommended at three point seven million dollars. Um, you know, if, if you're able to go out there and take a guy and pay him a little bit less than slot, uh, and it is a deeper draft rather than top heavy, then you're able to move some money around and, and sign guys later on who you think have, might have more upside. Yes. Speaking of which, then, we will transition over to uh, the stunning news of the night. At least it was stunning to me uh, when Oakland, with the ninth pick... I think it was stunning to everybody. ...took Kyler Murray. Well, it wasn't stunning to Harold Reynolds, uh, who, before the draft started, said his number one pick would be Kyler Murray. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have to believe that Harold had some information from somewhere. Well, Don't I, you? I, you know, he's well-connected in the industry. His, his brother... His brothers have both worked in, in baseball. Yeah, I, I think he's he probably had some information suggesting that somebody was going to take him. Um, I just think, you know, you talk about risky picks. Uh, let's just go over the scenario with Kyler Murray now. He is. Um, uh, he said last night that he is going to play football this year for the University of Oklahoma. Correct. Uh, he's going to be their starting quarterback, I believe, or at least he is at this point in time. Yeah, he is. He's, he, listen, they can talk all they want to about uh, Austin Kendall, the other kid that's competing with him, but Kyler Murray is going to be their starting quarterback. Um, he is not going to play baseball at all this summer, so he is going to lose. Did he say that he was not going to play? I believe that is correct. I, I don't know that he can, can he? Well, well, I guess he can. Yes, he can. The problem with it is that you know you kind of got to get ready for the football season, right? You're the starting quarterback of the University of Oklahoma. You know the the 
the uh, the rookie le- the rookie leagues don't start until like June twentieth, and then right when's camp start for Oklahoma? The end of July, right? Yeah. So, um, well, there's all the other stuff that goes on too, right? You know, so I, I mean, he's basically not going to get any significant at bats this year, um, and then he's going to expose himself to the very real possibility of, of, you know, a quarterback who's a mobile quarterback is going to expose himself to getting hit, uh, particularly in the knee, particularly losing a step, and his best tool is his speed. So absolutely, I, I think it's it's a really risky pick. Um, uh, on the A's part, I'm gonna guess that they're gonna pay him well below slot to take this. Yeah, uh, I'm sure. I'm hoping for the A's sake that they they've got some protection in in place uh, in terms of financial commitment. But if he gets hurt and he's not the same player, uh, then they've they've wasted a top ten pick. Yeah. Um- and there's no guarantee that Kyler Murray is going to develop into a great baseball player. No, the the one thing to, for me with this is that all right, when we say sign well below slot value, his slot value at nine is four, almost four point eight million. Mm-hmm. Now, how much to do, less than that? I mean, to me, to make this work for the for Oakland, they have to look at it like we're going to get a guy here that we're, we're going to give him second round money, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, we're, I mean, is it possible he could have signed for one and a half million, two? I mean, would baseball allow that? Uh, I, I, you know, I'm sure baseball would allow them to manipulate the as long as they stay within the bonus pool. I don't think baseball is going to have any issue with it. I can't imagine that he would take, you know, below he'd take fifty cents on a dollar. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I've tried to talk to his dad, Kevin, uh, who I've known a long time. Kevin is not returning my calls or anybody else's from what I can tell. That's um, an interesting dynamic there in the family and an interesting family history, for those of you who don't know. Uh, Kyler's uh, dad, Kevin, uh, was a baseball player in the Brewer system. Uh, didn't work out. Uh, decided he wanted to go and play college football. The Brewers sued him. Uh, to get the, the the his bonus money back, uh, I believe it was two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. That's what it seems like, uh, as I recall now. We seem awfully, uh, you know, chintzy on the uh, Brewers' part. Uh, Kevin did did not play well in the time he was with the Brewers, but that was an awful long time ago as well. This is, we're talking about the early nineteen eighties. Uh, baseball is a lot different now, and and, and so uh, at, at any rate. Uh, uh, Kyler's uncle Calvin was a tremendous baseball player at uh, uh, Texas, and then went on to a five-year career in the big leagues. Not as successful, but he played five years, and, and including with the Rangers. And and uh, he, you know, if we're going to compare them, he's much more as an athlete, much more similar to his uncle than he is to his father. Kevin was six two, two ten, you know, uh, a, a big time uh, NFL prospect until he wrecked his ankle. Uh, a grotesque injury at A and M. He was going to be a really good quarterback. He was for me, for I don't know until the the mid nineties. The best quarterback I saw, uh, certainly the best quarterback I saw in the Southwest Conference of that era, um, 
and uh, and just had it all going on for him. But the, the ankle ruined his prospects. The, the Houston Oilers uh, had plans to take him anyway. They were going to sign him as a free agent, and the plan was to groom him to be the replacement for Warren Moon. Mm-hmm. Um, they they got him in there, and their doctors looked at him, and they said, you'll be lucky to be walking on this ankle by the time you're 30. So uh, that was that. Um, his career was over as a quarterback. But Kevin was, as I said, was 6'2". Kyler's like, you know, you, you, they list him, I think, at 5'10 mm-hmm. uh, or 5'11. He's not that tall. Uh, he, he, it is interesting. I saw him uh, on the side – or I saw him on the field at an Oklahoma game last year. He does look like he's he's gotten a little bit taller, uh, but he's still – He's still probably 5'10", tops. And, you know, the NFL is not going to sign you as a quarterback uh, at 5'10". No. No, that, that's just not going to happen. And when you don't throw the ball any better than he does, uh, he, that's not his skill set. He's He is tremendously quick and fast. Uh, I think they said at, at uh, Oklahoma, I don't know if it was last fall, maybe the fall before last, he ran a 4'3'8". I'd say that was probably a conservative estimate. And maybe it's maybe with with Kyler, it's mostly the quickness is what you see, a little bit like Johnny Manziel. I saw him play point. quarterback once in high school. Um, Allen beat Everybody. our little Jaguars <laughs> 62-21, I think it was. And that was because they were up like 62 nothing or something. Right. Um, and, and, yeah, he, he looked, to me, physically, he looked very small on the field. Uh, but was exceptionally quick, and you just weren't going to tackle him. I just – it's a different level of football now that he's playing. Yeah. Um, and it is. It's just one time rolling over that knee. Right. and Well, that's what know, happened to his dad, right? Yeah. Dad blew out his ankle, and his career was over. Now, uh, I, that's as I said, I haven't been able to talk to Kevin about this, and, uh, and Kyler's not really talking about it very much. Uh, so I don't really – I've never really understood all of this. You know, there was a talk when Kyler was coming out of high school, uh, when he was playing second base in high school, I believe, that he could have been a top 10 pick coming out of high school. Now, I've, I've heard other people say, and our scouts say, nah, that was a little overblown. He really wasn't that good. He, he, he even then had not played a lot of baseball. Uh, but it always made more sense long term professionally to me that he would play baseball instead of football. As a quarterback, now maybe he he could go to the NFL and play slot receiver. I I, I don't have much doubt about that, but I don't think that's what he wants to do. So uh, why he chose this path, I'm not sure, other than the fact he just enjoys it and, and wants to play it and show that he can do it. But now you've moved into the realm of someone is investing you whatever it is, you know, if it's if it's two million or two point five million or three million or whatever it is that, that Oakland's given him and allowing him to do this. I, I really have a hard time believing that the A's were just were just good with all of it. I, I got to believe that at some point they're going to get it in Kyler's ear and say, "Hey, take it easy out there, okay?" You, yeah. know, you know. That well, none of that would be a good situation for anybody. No, because if you got if you're telling the Oklahoma starting foot quarterback, "Hey, take it easy out there," yeah, that's not good for any. You know, and because here's the thing: this is how it impacts Oklahoma. As we know, Oklahoma plays at a very high level, and uh, and without Baker Mayfield, they weren't going to be as good this year as they. I mean, listen, that's nothing against Kyler. Baker Mayfield, as as my good friend Barry Trammell wrote uh, in the uh, in the Daily Oklahoma a couple of weeks ago, if they play football for another five hundred years, they may not find another Baker Mayfield. So, uh, and that was a completely different kind of offense that, right. that they played with him that they'll that they'll play with with Kyler. 
you know, and this is all now. So it's now on on Lincoln Riley. The pressure's already on him to come up with, I think, almost a completely different kind of offense uh, that you're going to run now. And he and he needs to do that. He needs to take advantage of Kyler's skill set. He, he can still do lots of things. I think it's going to be – I think you'll see a lot more zone read option type stuff. I think it'll be an offense very similar to what Texas did with Vince Young uh, to take advantage of his uh, running skills and, uh, and, and allow him to, to throw the ball in situations where there were guys kind of wide open. So, you know, he's not going to be thrown into the windows that, that Baker Mayfield was. Baker was the most accurate passer in college football last year. It's a lot to ask Kyler Murray to match that kind of production. So, you know, you've got all that going on. The, the fact that Oklahoma is really the only team right now in the Big 12 that is positioned to be a contender for the CFP. You know, uh, I think Athlon has them ranked 10th going into the season. Uh, the next – uh, Big 12 team is Texas at 20. That's that's an over. I think that's a little overblown. Or maybe it's TCU. You got TCU, West Virginia, and Texas. The next three, and any particular order, I I would give West Virginia the nod just simply because of Will Greer, the quarterback who has some experience. Is a really good. He looked really good last year, and he's got some terrific receivers. Uh, I think that they'll they'll be the only team in the in the Big 12 that looks like a normal Big 12 team kind of quarterback driven so Oklahoma uh, you know has every opportunity to once again uh, uh, win a big 12 title which is kind of what they do and and maybe has a shot at an outside shot I think of uh, making a run at the CFP Uh, so when you're when you're kind of messing with the chemistry of that a little bit when the when the quarterback has been taken in with the ninth pick of the draft uh, by a major league baseball team uh, I just think that that raises uh, a lot of questions about what's going to happen going forward, and people are going to be looking at this very carefully. Every time he runs out of bounds, every time he, he uh, gets rid of the ball quickly, every time he slides, people are going to say, is he doing that because he's the ninth pick of the draft and the, and the Oakland A's have a lot invested in him? Uh, I just think that it, 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 it's a very unusual situation. I'm not questioning – Cotter's integrity, football integrity in, in any means here, by any means here. I just think it's natural that you would want to do those things when you've already been drafted. And I guess the question I want to ask you, because I've thought about this, um, what, is this any different from the fact, let's say Kevin was uh, or Cotter was going to be drafted next year. Mm-hmm. Do you think that would have any different impact if, they, if everybody was saying he's a top 10 prospect in the next draft, in the next baseball draft? Would it be any different? Well, I, you know, if he was a senior, um, he wouldn't have the quote unquote leverage of going back to school. That's the biggest. That's the biggest difference. Yeah. Um, I, I still think that if he was a top ten talent, he he'd end up getting a very sizable bonus. I, I like I say, I I'm just still kind of trying to wrap my head around this, and I'm sure there's there's a way that this will work out that makes more sense to than it does to you and I at this point in time. Well, but, pretty much everything. But, yeah, but I, I just the risk that's that's involved is, is significant to me. And, I mean, you wrote you know, the, the, the sub-headline on your column uh, this morning is that the A's shocking pick of Murray could shake up the Big 12 and the Sooners. And as typical of you, you took a baseball column and made it about football. Yeah. Um, uh, but what it also did do is it did shake up the draft. And uh, I think that w- with the A's taking him ninth, 
it really put some shockwaves there. It, it, it left a college hitter there, uh, Travis Swaggerty, for Pittsburgh, a team that's more analytics-driven and, and you would think would be more geared towards college-type players. And then at 11, you got the real wild card of the Baltimore Orioles, who I had been told that Wynn would not get past Baltimore. You know, I, that this was going to be – this was the last chance. Um, and the Orioles, as I mentioned – are probably one of the groups that the Rangers may have to send thank you notes to if, in fact, uh, the Cole Wynn pick works out as the way the Rangers envision because there is some level of dysfunction, and this may shock you that uh, there's some level of dysfunction in the front office in Baltimore where Buck Showalter is the manager. Um, it appears that Buck, the general manager, Dan Duquette, and Brady Anderson, the VP of Baseball Operations, there may be some. Is he in charge of uh, PEDs as well? Uh, yeah. There, there just may be some not really great lines of communication. Buck has always inserted himself into the amateur draft. No. Oh, did it every year here. Used to brag about it, and um, used to used to make sure that we all knew as reporters. You know, Tom Hicks wants me to come home and be in the room for the amateur draft <laughs> on on the day on the on a day off. Um, but anyway, they ended up taking Grayson Rodriguez, a high school pitcher from from Nacogdoches, um, and that just uh, that opened up the possibility. That opened up the possibility of Singer being available. It opened up the possibility of Win being available. There were three nice pitchers available um, uh, that were going to be available after the number eleven pick, and I don't think anybody envisioned that. Uh, it worked out really well for the Rangers. And, and and as I wrote, you know, they, they may have the A's, Kyler Murray and Buck Showalter to thank at some point in time if Cole Wynn does develop into that top of the rotation type pitcher. So let's talk about you. You haven't even mentioned the name of the guy that, uh, that the Rangers took with their second round pick. That would be Owen White, high school right hander from from uh, North Carolina. I'm very bitter about this pick. <laughs> Why is that? Well, I you know I I had this soft spot for Duke's Griffin Conine. Um, big hitting uh, outfielder. Weathers and Conine. Weathers and Conine had been my had been one thing that I had been looking for. Two two guys who were sons of big league players. You know, you like the bloodlines and all that. Uh, David Weathers, whose son Ryan went seven to San Diego, um, pitched in the big leagues nineteen years, got by a lot on his guile and and his smarts, and I think a lot of that got passed down to his kid, who's also got exceptional ability. Um, Griffin Conine's a big power hitter at Duke. His dad, Jeff, played um, 16 years, I think, in the big leagues. Uh, no, I'm not bitter about Owen White. Uh, but Toronto picked, Toronto picked Conine at 52. Uh, I think the Rangers were very happy that Owen White was there. They liked this athletic body an awful lot. It's, um, it certainly sounds it, – it, scout in scout language – Projectable means a guy who's going to either grow or fill out. Um, the Rangers listed him very generously at 195 last night. Uh, when I asked him how much he weighed, he said about 168 or 170 right now. <laughs> um, he said he had been up oh. as much as 190 um, before the start of high school basketball season. But he played basketball um, and then rolled right into baseball. Actually got a little bit of a late start into baseball this year. Because the basketball team went twenty six and three and advanced deep into the North Carolina playoffs, 
What I like about him is that he's from China Grove, North Carolina. So he sh- he should have Doobie Brothers music as uh, as, as his entrance music. That's that's San Antonio outside San Antonio. But it's still China Grove. Oh well. They don't say it's you know China Grove, Texas. It's just China Grove. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a song for all our kids from the seventies. Yeah, I got to tell you, you know, I love the Doobie Brothers, and China Grove was never one of my favorites. Yeah, but you, you're a big Steely Dan guy, and well, that, that says all that I need. That, that says all I need that. to know about you. <laughs> that but no, have anything I, to do with China anyway. Grove. So this is a kid who's six three. He's a South Carolina commit. Um, Baseball America had him listed as a quote unquote tough sign. And then on the conference call, he basically said, I can't wait to get started in a Rangers uniform, so I don't think he's going to be that tough of a sign. Is it possible he fell out of the first round because of that? Um, no, I don't think so. No. I, I, I think he was he was always ranked in somewhere between 50 and 60 in terms of, of – He was the 55th prospect. pick? He was the 55th pick overall. Yeah. I think Baseball America and, – and again, these things all vary wildly, but Baseball America had him at 59 going into the draft. You know, they had – Look, they had they had Matthew Libertor going at two as their number two prospect in the entire draft, and I believe he went sixteen. So um, these things these things vary wildly. Uh, the Rangers like the fact that he's got he's got a fastball that is ninety one to ninety three. Uh, has hit ninety five, and he's been able to sustain it a little bit more this year. And they feel like you know that he's got he's got a real good feel for the baseball, and the fact that he is still kind of filling out that body is only going to up the velocity a little bit more. Um, the way the way Kip Fag uh, said it last night, he's he's got a projectable body, but he's got now stuff. So um, listen, I I think from my perspective, and I haven't gone back and researched this, but. It's been a while since the Rangers have used their first two picks on 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 high school pitch on pitchers and let alone high school pitchers. Right. Um, we know that this club needs to put more into pitching. It needs to get more out of pitching. Right. Um, and and I think it was a very good day for the Rangers where that's concerned in that they took two real high upside high school pitchers. Um, as as Kip said, you know, one thing that seems to now be valued higher in the draft is is position players and hitters because as we've watched in baseball hitting has really not been very good um it's it's much more of an all or nothing type event uh and so teams are are valuing that more and i think because of that uh high school pitchers uh do do tend to drop a little bit in terms of value particularly right-handed high school pitchers and I think the Rangers feel like they may have been able to exploit a little bit of a market of, of a market fluctuation there by grabbing these two guys in the top fifty five picks. I wouldn't be surprised if their first ten picks are very heavy on pitching. I really won't be. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm watching the draft yesterday, and of course uh, the question comes up um, about uh, whether Casey Mize is going to be the first pick of the draft. He was kind of the consensus by most people. But there was a there was a feeling there that that uh, that maybe um, the catcher and I, and his name is escaping Joey Bart Joey Bart right uh, might go instead and, and you know and I and listen I've not seen these guys play uh, on a consistent basis I've I've seen any of it just a, here and there and the highlights and that kind of thing uh, I I know that it probably sounds um, you know uh, cliche to say 
he looked to me a little bit like Buster Posey, you know, at least at least hitting, you know, and then the highlights that I saw. Uh, so, you know, that has to be going through scouts' minds when you when you look at this kind of stuff. You look at uh, let, let's take what, when the Astros drafted uh, the Astros drafted uh, Mark Appel, right? You know, so so here's the number one pick in the draft, right? And uh, and he never makes it. Uh, he, he's he he never makes the big leagues at all. And if you got a chance to get a guy who's the next Buster Posey, you know, because we know that it, it's it's kind of a crapshoot on on all the players, but especially with pitchers, uh, it is. And it might be as risky on catchers as it is on pitchers. Well, I will be. say this: we did see Joey Bart this year too. Um, uh, saw him. When you say we, you mean you and the other scouts? Yes, yeah. all of us scouts, <laughs> yeah, all of us evaluators. Um, and I, I did see him. I didn't see him in an ACC game. Saw him against Radford, um, but he had an at bat and he smoked a double just inside the line at third base. Uh, that was really, really impressive. Um, I, I think there were going to be some signability issues with him, in that this is a kid who comes from a family that's got some money. Uh, I don't think that he was going to take anything less than what he thought was the the top the top available slot. Um, and, uh, you know, I, you, I can't if, – if you go one-two with, with a, a college pitcher and a, and a college advanced hitter, um, catcher, the, the thing that, that everybody, that the MLB.com people said, that the MLB Network people said, Joe Girardi mentioned it, um, and it was mentioned to me as well, is the thing that's most impressive about Joey Bart uh, is – uh, that he calls his own game, yeah, and that he's right. given the latitude to do that. And most college catchers don't, and so they don't come into professional baseball with a terribly great, great feel for his pitchers. I think this is the thing that's going to separate him: is that he's going to be a, a much more advanced game caller. Uh, and handler of pitchers. Yeah, he's supposed to be really good defensively. He's got a good good arm. He just got everything going for him. So to me, boy, if you look at that, uh, I, I would really would have been tempted because Casey Mize, you know, is very polished uh, at this point. Throws everything for strikes. Uh, ball's got a lot of movement on it. You know, everything's moving. He doesn't throw that hard, uh, not compared to the guys you would think about taking. I mean, you got a guy like uh, the kid from Melbourne who's throwing uh, a Stewart who's throwing 98, you know, and then got a, a big time curveball, you know, uh, and they're talking about this spin rate, and it's the spin rate's better than anybody in the big leagues right now. That so, was, yeah, that was the big talk of, of, uh, of the uh, pre draft stuff was what, what a great spin rate spin he Spin rate, yeah. The first time that I think that we've. Talked about a first rounder and and in terms of that, yeah, out over his spin rate. So you see those kind of things, and and you know you know and uh, and we see what's happened you know over the years in the, in the draft, and uh, and you know signability is an issue. You know, obviously the last thing you want to do is what happened to the Rangers when they drafted Matt Perk and they couldn't sign him, uh, and the guy goes back in the draft. You know. Uh, Although sometimes it hasn't worked out so so badly when the Astros couldn't draft, uh, what, what, who was it? Was it Brady Aiken that they they uh, right. drafted and they couldn't sign? And he went back in the draft and it looked awful. And they got another pick for that for missing that. Brady Aiken hasn't done a thing. Uh, but meanwhile, they got Kyle Bregman with uh, with that uh, with that pick. So uh, they you know things have have worked out pretty well. 
Alex Bregman. Alex that Bregman. Kyle yeah. Bregman. Man, I'm having trouble with names this morning. Alex Bregman. Uh, you know, so that worked out pretty well for them. That's how crazy the, the stupid Remember baseball draft is. Remember when you were talking about Tom Singer? Tom Singer. That was before the podcast. And uh, Whoever that may have been. Yeah. You were actually re- referring to Bill Singer, the former Dodgers <laughs> pitcher. who. Um, That's Brady Singer's dad. You knew that, didn't you? He's not. But um, he, um, it, he was a longtime scout. Yeah, okay. So anyway, but uh, Bill Singer was a really good pitcher too. Yes, that's Besides the fact saying. that he was a long-term scout. I said he was a former Dodgers pitcher. Listen you didn't say up. he was a really good pitcher. You just said he was a former Dodger. There were lots of people that were former Dodger pitchers who weren't very good. Bill okay. Singer was very good. Okay. Okay. Uh, but any, at any rate, uh, I, I just, uh, you know – I don't know. If I'm in that position and I've got that top pick and I, I look at Casey, I'm going to have to really going to have to believe in him before I pass up on a catcher who seems like who could be the next Buster Posey. You know, that, that, that's, that's to me the thing that, that's, you know, you, you're going to live and die with this stuff. And I, and, I, and I think that, you know, we just say that uh, when, when teams make these choices in the baseball draft, you know, it's, the, it's like it's almost like a little bit of a, a grace period for them. You know, so now, you know, uh, you know, Cole Wynn is going to go away and, we'll, and we won't hear anything about him for the next, you know, two or three years. And uh, or he'll, we'll hear very little about him. And uh, and that gives the, the Rangers a little bit of a grace period, whereas in other sports, particularly football and basketball, the guy doesn't play right away. We know it. Uh, and it puts a lot of pressure on those teams. But I'm thinking that, uh, you know, we have done a really good job and you in particular have done a really good job before this draft just looking at all of this and i and i think it's good to look at all of it i'm not saying it is not the science that the football draft the nfl draft is or the nba draft is uh it is a a lot uh more iffy just like the nhl draft is um but it doesn't mean that they shouldn't be getting these picks right uh, especially up high um because teams do you know, I wrote a column that that's not going to appear maybe ever. Uh, it was going to run in today's paper until uh, Kyler Murray was drafted with the ninth pick, talking about the fact that in the history of the Rangers, their four best pitchers that they have drafted in the first round, the four best pitchers they drafted in the first round, their best years were all played for other teams, uh, and that includes the Senators, the Senators Rangers franchise. Um, so, it, you know, it was an example uh, that, that you know, if you think enough of these guys to take them in the first round, maybe you ought to hold on to them, uh, which, of course, was not the case with Dylan Tate either. Uh, and whether he cracks that top four, uh, I don't know. Uh, we, the jury is still out on him and the Yankees organization. They, they like him and they think he's got some potential. Uh, but to me, that was a you know to bring that up. The reason I do that is that uh, well, just because you're bitter that the column hasn't. Well, that's part of it. Yeah, absolutely. But but then secondly is that you know the whole Dylan Tate mess uh, with the Rangers. I, I don't I don't get any of it. You know, here is a guy that you find out after you draft him. Well, he's not really he really doesn't want to do these things that we're telling him to do, mm-hmm. and he's resisting all this. Well, gosh, we just don't get this. What kind of work are you doing with this guy before you pick him? Yeah, that's um, you know we 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 spend a lot of time talking about makeup, and so often you don't really have a great feel 
for 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 guys overall makeup even when you do get them um and that and see to me that's a skill set you you got to have a scout you hear this all the time about a, a player who will talk about it as you wrote about one of the players that uh that the rangers were um uh i don't know if they did they draft that player or not anyway when the scout died of a stroke uh the the player and his father showed up at the the hospital that was austin becker who has not yet been drafted has not yet but, been but drafted. as we record this the third round has yet to start okay um becker was i think becker was pro- projected around number 60 overall um and he again he's a high school kid he's got a um uh, did he have? Does he have a Vandy commitment also? Um, that would anyway. be a good sign if he, if he did. Uh, yeah, I'm big on guys who are who are Vanderbilt signings, who are Vanderbilt commitments. Yeah. Um, but here was a, here. The point was is that this was a, a kid and a father who had a tremendous relationship with this scout, mm-hmm. right? And and I'm guessing that this scout knew him pretty well. And if you're going to be investing millions. And a first round pick, then you got to know everything about him. I used to say that if you had some doubts about uh, a guy, then you need to hire a private investigator to check this kid out. You know, and in, in any sport, you know, what's that going to cost you to, to do that when everything that comes up about players these days, uh, you you need to know every single thing you can know. Well, about I'll tell this you one player. thing that that I found very interesting is in in talking to scouts. They talked about stalking these kids on social media now. And, yeah. And that's a big part of their job. Sure. It's not just seeing them and it's not the in-home visits. And look, you know, I mean, you can you can, you can go to an in-home visit and house is nice and clean and everybody's, you know, happy to meet you. And, and, it, and, and that's oversimplifying things. Right. But I do think that it's become a big part of, of, the, uh, of the landscape for these guys to to follow social media to make sure that guys don't do really stupid stuff on social on, on, on social media and to, and I do think you get you get more of a raw unfiltered glimpse I don't know if you're aware of this Kevin but sometimes people say silly things on social media sometimes they do um, they, they may embarrass themselves uh, for some reason they feel like if it's their Twitter or Facebook or Instagram account that it won't come back to them for some yeah, reason. Yeah, why, why would that happen? Uh, no idea why. Um, but uh, they, they do. They, they follow these guys much more now on social media, and that's, that's, a, big part of their, that's a big part of it. But, you know, the, it, the other part it's not, it's with not the high school kids But it's not necessarily to find out bad stuff either. It just tells you about the kid. Correct. It tells you what his personality is like. It, it tells you, you know, how he interacts with other people. It, you know, you're, you're not necessarily looking for, for things that, oh, my gosh, look what he just said. This is awful, you know. Right. It's not that necessarily that you're looking for. It's just you're looking for what's his personality like. I, I would have, you know, I'd hire a psychologist. To, to look at this kind of stuff and say, what does this tell you about this kid when he writes this and says this and does this? You know, why wouldn't you be looking at all those things just to just to get as a full a picture as you can possibly get of these kids? Because, it's, you know, as we know, yes, yeah, sometimes they get hurt uh, and that's what happens. But I would I would hazard to guess that that's less than half the time why the look, guys don't I, make it. I'll give you one example of a of a pick who went number one one. In, in the draft. 1-1? One, one? Are you repeating one, yourself now? 1-1. One, one. First round, first pick. Okay. First overall pick. Yeah. Um, was a very nice, polite young man. Um, 
parents were 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 very much with him all the way. Even even went with him to the minor leagues. Um, and then he got hurt. Uh, life took a turn, and he became Josh Hamilton. Yeah. And um, you know, for a lot of these kids, that's that's one of the bigger risks that you take with the high school kids is. Even these kids that are playing in these showcases and select games, they're away from their parents for a week or so at a time. Mm -hmm. But they're not, you know, you're getting them now in a room where there's no supervision. Um, There's no real uh, adult influence um, outside of the the time that they're at the ballpark. And and it's, it's impossible. You know, you've done a great job with four kids. Could you predict where your kids would be when they left home? <laughs> no. How safe would you? Well, feel we don't. We didn't ever let them leave home. Well, that's true. I yeah. mean, um, we just kept them in the house the whole time. But that you know, that's a huge issue. And so I think that that I think one of the reasons that that you've seen some some degree of a of a little bit of a shift towards some college kids is that you know there's a better feel for who these kids are at this, and and that they're more well adjusted to the kind of life that that they would lead as as a professional. Um, that there's certainly, you know, if you go, that was one of the things that really impressed me was I had not, in this job now, you know, you don't go to college baseball games. Um, it just doesn't happen. Right. And going to, the first game that I went to on a scouting trip was South Carolina Ole Miss in Columbia, which is as good a college baseball atmosphere as there is in the country. And there's 12,000 people there for the Friday night game. And you know, in the SEC games, those kids are playing in front of, of crowds of upwards of 10,000 already on a, at least once a week. So they're used to the, the bigger environment and all that other stuff. There's so many adjustments, and it's, it, it, is, it is especially with baseball when you're talking about taking kids who are um, malnourished in a lot of cases with, with not great education from Latin America and now giving them millions of dollars. Um, you're talking about taking high school kids here, giving them millions of dollars. And one of the great inequalities that I've always that that, that hit me this winter when I went to the Dominican uh, with the Rangers is, you know, the Rangers have invested eleven million dollars in a new Dominican uh, Republic academy, uh, and this is becoming kind of of much more a uh, uh, a trend in baseball. I think they're going to be the fifteenth team to open uh, to, to go this route where they actually own their own academy in the past. Teams usually leased it. Well, what what and the the academy that I went to visit that was similar to what the Rangers are building is Colorado's. Well, it's set up basically like a prep school. Um, there are four kids to a room. Uh, it is immaculately maintained. The weight room and the dining room are world class. And you know, you talk about those are kids that they haven't played in a whole lot of select games they haven't had travel ball opportunities they haven't had um the same opportunities that kids here you know michael florick just wrote this story for our paper about high school baseball and following the winners where do the winners come from affluent areas right right because parents have money they invest all that money in pitching in pitching lessons and hitting lessons and equipment and yada 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 And, and so it, it just struck me this winter that finally baseball is actually getting this, that these kids in the Dominican who are coming into baseball at 16, they could really use the professional level facilities a whole heck of a lot more than those 18-year-old kids who are going to go to Arizona. Right. So, uh, you know, baseball is slow to move on some of these things. Um, and and it, it does, 
uh, you mentioned the, the psychologist. Well, the Rangers have a peak performance guy who's kind of a sports psychologist guy on staff. They've invested much more in sports science. I think you're going to see what amounts to something of a sports science lab in the new stadium. And, and I would imagine that they do have, uh, and I haven't asked this question directly, you know, are they, are they asking sports psychologists to look at um, anything from, from prospective picks? I don't think teams are wasting opportunities here to try and get to understand these picks because it's still, for me, the biggest, the biggest wild card. You take a kid like Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. Okay, this is not a kid who had off-the-charts tools. But it does not take long being around this kid to realize that whatever his level of skill is, he's going to maximize it. And how you're able to evaluate a player who's going to maximize whatever his skill level is or exceed that, that to me is the essence of being able to hit better on scouting. Because it's not hard. You go to... You can go to the Under Armour games, and you can go to the Area Code games, and you can go to every showcase, and there's talent out the yin-yang there. But how are you going to make sure that that talent most most likely grows, matures, and adjusts as the talent that it faces gets more difficult? Yeah. No, there's no question about it. It's all a very difficult process, and, uh, and of course, that's why, you know, uh, as I as I said at the top of our our podcast here, uh, it'll be interesting to watch as time goes by. At least I'm going to watch it. Uh, the, the development of Brady Singer versus the development of uh, a Cole Win, and see who makes it, who makes it quicker, uh, who makes who, who makes it better. Uh, you know, who ends up being the better player here? And I think you know it doesn't mean that uh, well then the Rangers lost and the Royals won uh but uh, maybe it does you know maybe it makes all the difference in the world you you know I know you make decisions based on this is what our philosophy is and, and we don't deviate from that and I and I, th- I think you have to admire that because as I've said before I remember asking Grady Fuson once uh about why the Rangers never developed any pitchers and he says well I just don't think they have a philo- they've never had a philosophy you know about what they're looking for in a pitcher um, I don't. I, I'm not still sure that they have one. I think they have a philosophy overall, as we pointed out. They like high upside, athletic, uh, high school players and pitchers. You know, that's that's what they like. Uh, I, and, I think, and, and that's the, 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 to me though. That's also the biggest gamble. I, and I think I think a philosophy is is not the way to go because that means all of a sudden now you're ruling out a five seven or five eight player, right? True. Um, when's the last time though the the, the Rangers took a to, took a shot like that? They haven't taken a whole lot of small pitchers or um, small anything. Uh, you know, they, well, Kiner Falefa's five nine. Yeah, but they didn't. I'm he, saying he they, I'm saying yeah. yeah, I'm saying a, a high pick. You know, a guy where you where you took a guy because this guy's just a gamer. You know, this this you know. Well, I'll say this: Casey Kiker was a small guy, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Um, that didn't work out so well. That did not work out well. That was not, and and you know that was a draft where they wanted one specific player, um, and that guy got taken by the San Francisco Giants three picks ahead of him. And who was that? That would be Tim Linscombe. Tim Linscombe. Hey, He's so I just went back. He was and, a little guy. I just went back and I looked, and and we're recording this. It's ten twenty-five at this moment when we're recording it. The draft is about to start up in in thirty-five minutes. So this is going to be interesting for me to watch and. And people will now get this after the fact. But the Rangers went high school pitcher, high school pitcher in the yep. first two rounds. The last time they did that actually was not that long ago. It was 2016 when they went Cole Reagan's Alex Spees. They have never gone high school pitcher, high school pitcher, high school pitcher 
since 1973 when their first pick was a guy named David Clyde. Wow. Second pick never pitched in the big leagues named Rich Schubert. And the third pick was Len Barker, um, who ended up having a pretty decent big league career. You know, that's a great trivia question. I didn't realize that, that Len Barker was their third pick. Um, but that's also a different era because, you know, you didn't have – you had two different drafts at two different times a year. Um, you also didn't have 30 teams and compensation picks. Really, if you're going to go back to try and compare some degree of apples to apples, I think you can only go 20 years back. And the Rangers have never taken uh, three high school pitchers to start a draft. They've only once in the last 20 years taken three pitchers to start a draft, and that was um, 1999 when they took uh, uh, Colby Lewis, um, a David Mead who did not pitch in the big leagues with uh, the 47th overall pick, and then Nick Regilia with the 72nd pick, and he pitched briefly in the big leagues. So be real interesting to see if they go three straight pitchers here. Um, I'd almost applaud them if they did because, uh, like I said, I, I, pitching is, is the currency of the game. We know that this organization feels like they've got some great young pitchers at the lower levels. I don't think you can rest on that. You can never – this may – I heard this once from a scout just one time because now that I've been around the scouting community – um, you can never have enough pitching is what they said. Really? Yeah. Man, I like that. I may go with that. Um, but they, they can always use more, you know, and, and if they can stock the system with, with really great pitching, uh, as they go into a new ballpark that hopefully will, will play a little bit more fairly, uh, right from the start. Um, Maybe it ushers in the next great era in Rangers baseball. You know, it's an interesting thing to me. I'd like to see a number. I'm sure someone has this number on the percentage of high school pitchers. Let's say, let's say first rounders who uh, who pan out. And, and and I don't mean just pan. I don't mean just okay. He made you know he, he pitched a couple of years. Who was a, yeah. a a serviceable pitcher? A guy who's going to give you as you like to identify them. A guy who'll give you two hundred innings a year. How many? How often that happens? Uh, and the percentages of, of that? Because see the 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 the, the, the that sounds really daunting. But here's here's the answer on that. If you get one of those guys and you hit on one of those guys, well then you've got him. Or you could have him for mm-hmm. five, six, eight, ten, twelve years, right? Mm-hmm. So now you've now you've you've fixed a position on your big league club for a long time. If you hit on one of those, so you don't have to hit on very many of them. You know, you just have to do it every once in a while. It's the the, the teams as as the Moneyball Oakland A's did. You know, uh, they hit on three pitchers, yep. and and they were tremendous, and they were really good. Uh, and, and, while they and, had them, and again, I mean, there's there's different levels here. You know, the A's, those three pitchers from the A's were all top top of the first round picks. Right. They weren't middle of the first round or anything like that. Yeah, I would like to do a little bit more of a study on that. I, I'd, you know, if you go back and look at, at the best pitchers of this generation um, who were draft guys, so you're you're taking out like Latin American signs like Felix Hernandez, right? But Verlander was a college pick. At the, at, you know, I think he was the second overall pick. Um, Strasburg was a college pick. Uh, Kershaw was a high school pick. Right. Um, uh, Corey Kluber was a college pick, but he wasn't a first-round pick. Um, uh, Dallas Keuchel wasn't a first-round pick, but he was a college pick. Yeah. Chris, Chris, Chris Sale was a college pick. David Price was a college pick. He was a 1-1 overall pick. Um, I believe Porcello signed out of, uh, out of high school. I think he was a North Carolina right. commitment with a. He was a guy that was going to be a tough sign. I remember that. That's uh, why yeah, he, he was definitely he was definitely going to be a tough sign. So I, 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 my thought process here, you know, Jake Arrieta, college signing, 
um, is that you, you, you're more likely to get – it just seems like the, the most elite pitchers have come from, from college backgrounds, but does that mean now you're going you're gonna to focus on that and you're going to give up on the – you're not going to look at the Clayton Kershaws? You're not going to look at the Madison Bumgarners? Um, those are two pretty good high school picks. So uh, it, it still comes down to, in some regards, feel. And I, I do think that uh, – I, I think there's got to be a balance of analytics, feel, just from seeing these guys, and to some extent, you know, I, I do believe the, the element of whatever you want to call it, psychology, whether it's amateur psychology or whether it's, you know, really having some degree of a sports science staff dig into this stuff is, 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 is interesting because this isn't an exact science. It's far less exact than the NFL or the NBA. Um, and, you know, it, if you go back and, and, and look, you know, you get into the middle of the first round and you're talking about half of those guys. I think I did this I did this look last night. So the 15th pick overall in the draft, there have been 53 drafts. Yeah. Okay. The 15th overall pick has played in the – has appeared in the big leagues um, 27 times. So about 50%. Now that's one of the lower percentages in um, – among the first round picks, uh, the, by and large, it's somewhere between thirty three and thirty five who have appeared. But it's still you're not even you're not talking about sixty percent. Right. It's a very inexact science, even for first round picks, and uh, it, it's just so different from what people are uh, used to in the NFL and the NBA. And and the NFL and the NBA are much more you know the standard for for how people. I think in this market, judge judge the idea of a draft. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Evan, it's been fun talking about all this, but I gotta go. I gotta go down to Waco. I gotta do a little uh, Texas Sports Hall of Fame nominating committee work. Am I up this year? No, you are not up this year. No. Do you want me to put you in the scout category? <laughs> yes, please. Yeah. I I I will just say this: there was one pitcher. We'll see if he gets drafted. Um, I saw him pitch. And I was like, oh, my God, I love this guy. And uh, Kip looked at me and he said, this, it's gross. <laughs> His name was not gross. Uh, no, no. But it, 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 it just apparently the, uh, the delivery was far too max effort. Uh, there wasn't any deception or anything on the fastball. I just saw the radar guns light up at 96, and I was like, oh, my God. High school pitcher though in 96. No, this was a college pitcher. A college pitcher. Yeah, okay. that's all I'll tell you. Okay. There's a lot of that going around the SEC. Man, my gosh. We went over and saw some games this spring uh, at Arkansas. And, uh, you know, Arkansas got some great players on, on that club. And, and their, their Friday night starter was the Rangers pick last year, Blaine Knight. Yeah. And, uh, and they, uh, you know, that, that, it's amazing to me because I covered college baseball back in the 80s. And there were some, there were some good teams back and good players, obviously. But these guys are all well, they're SEC, all thrown in the nineties. SEC you know? baseball has become a revenue sport. Yeah, it is. It's a big time. Let me tell you something. You can't get a seat at those games. No. We, we would go to those games. If you didn't have tickets ahead of time, we had to buy the bleacher seats to sit out there and, and there's I don't know, seven, eight thousand people at those games. Well, you know, Columbia is there's a class A team in Columbia and uh then you've got Founders Field, which is, is South Carolina Stadium. 
the South Carolina Stadium is nicer, bigger, and more occupied. So that tells you just how big SEC um, baseball yeah, is. You know, when it's, it's, it's going head-to-head, there's not much competition. Big deal. And particularly these Friday night matchups. And I think the same thing goes in, in for most of the Big 12. You know, you, a Friday night matchup where you get your top pitchers going against one another, it is big-time baseball. And this is one of the things that scouts brought up that's difficult about scouting Texas just as a, as a final thing is here in Texas, high school pitchers, they play high school games play Tuesday and Friday. That's it. That's the schedule. Um, You get the big conference games, college conference games, and their their big game is Friday night. So scouts in Texas have a real difficult time trying to to get uh, to see the high school players that they need to see and the big time college players that they're needing to see. It's 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 a unique high school schedule. The other states are not this way. And and it is brought up as one of the issues in scouting this the state. When are they playing high school games in the other states? Oh, every day of the week. Every day of the week. Well, I mean, it's not like they're playing a 7-day schedule, but I mean they they play on different days. Yeah. It's not like they have two set days to play. I did not realize that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, who cares what they're doing outside Texas is what I say. That's right. You know? That's right. That's what I. That's what I've always said. Oh, that a boy. Well, Evan has been a little bit of heaven uh, here with Evan and Kevin. Heaven with Evan and Kevin. We, we should, should go mention, that. We should mention that our sometimes co-host David Moore is in Spain. He didn't want you to mention that. Now people are going to be flocking to his house. You know, robbing him blind. And now you have just done that. Way to go, Evan. He's in Spain, Texas, for the day. <laughs> He'll be back this evening. He'll be back with his guns this evening. All of them. Yeah. Many. Many, many Oh, yeah. David's not with us this week. Uh, We expect him to be back, you know, I don't know, July, August, something like that. You know, that boondoggle he's got going on out there with the Cowboys. He works when he wants to. He comes in. He takes off a month or so. I don't know. He's So, last thing, OTA. Yeah. OTAs are organized team activities, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, because I, I thought at one point in time they were optional, optional team activities. Because that, cause aren't they supposed to be optional? Because that, that's what 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 do uh, voluntary mean? Is that what you're going back to? Well, I mean, but that that's what they were. It, it, they were supposed to be optional at one point. In no, no. That, sometimes though, it, you, you get them and they're more like DTAs. You know, disorganized. Yeah. Uh, team activities. Yeah. That, you know, well, we just, took a break from the Cowboys this week. Let's not. We did take a break from the Cowboys. No Cowboys this week. We, we're not talking about uh, Dak and Zeke and Key West, and apparently they bought some penis-shaped water pistols. I wish you hadn't brought that up. <laughs> There's video on TMZ because this is the world that we live in, and, of course, I fell right for it and clicked on it. But uh, at least they're all having fun down there in Key West with my count, with my clown cousins. <laughs> Forgot about the clown cousins. I, I need to call my clown cousins and let them know if you see anybody with a penis-shaped water pistol, please be aware. Also, send us photos. Yeah, you, you don't have a cousin who's not a clown, do you? I no, one cousin is a is a former trapeze artist, but she's not a clown. <laughs> Were you born in a circus? She was in the circus. <laughs> she was legitimately in the circus. Do you know that Florida State has a circus? Did you know that? Yeah, I think I heard something about that. Florida State University has a circus. She was she went to FSU and was in the circus there, in the FSU Flying Eye Circus. <laughs> I don't know how you say that with a straight face. I, I was very proud of her, and I still am. Well, why wouldn't you be? I mean, she obviously was very successful. That's right. It's like something that, you know, how, how do you bring that up at a party? 
Well, what do you do? I'm an accountant. What do you do? Well, well I just talk about my clown. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in the circus. Oh, my cousins are clowns. <laughs> oh, heaven. See, that's what I like about having you in here. Most of my friends that I grew up with are the most boring people alive. You know, they uh, just had normal lives. You said lives. friends. I said family because I don't have friends. <laughs> um, that, you've got thousands of Twitter followers and friends there. Some of them are. I, one guy was really on you, and I looked, I looked him up just to see what his story was. Was that uh, the uh, the guy this weekend? Uh, who I think he's an Angels fan. Uh, I don't. He's from San Diego. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the guy. Who Boy, he was really on you. Yeah, he wasn't too happy. And he has got kind of a high profile job. Or I think, described it that way, didn't he? Well, no. I looked him up. He had, they people have written stories about him. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I just looked him up because it just seemed interesting that that he would be so so adamant about all this kind of stuff and be so and most of the time those kind of people are are anonymous you know they don't they don't they don't go by you know their names on their i'm on their t- my experience now look there's a rivalry between the rangers and astros and astros fans and ranger fans talk a lot of trash yeah um mariner fans have always been exceptionally pleasant on twitter um i don't know that i've heard a lot from a's fans and that's just probably because they haven't been very competitive lately but the Angels fans Angels? seem to be very, very bitter. Really? Yeah, I, I, I don't get it. I mean, there's a lot of they're a trash team and they're this trash and they're that trash. And I'm like, it's baseball, man. It's baseball. Come on. That that's your that's your reply. Yeah. Okay, that's not going anywhere with me. <laughs> Probably not with you'd still go. Oh, you're trash, <laughs> garbage team, garbage organization. Uh, let's, let's pull right, back. So on. you're talking about people who should be just happy they've got Mike Trout, right? Be happy you got Mike Trout. Be happy you got Shohei Tani. Be happy. Look, the the weather in Anaheim at, yeah, ball, at the ball nice. games are, is is exceptionally nice. Um, yeah, you know, Artie Marino's jacked up the stadium as much as he possibly can, but not everybody can have everything perfect. Yeah, that and that Mike Trout boy, he's pretty good, isn't he? He is good. He's good, and I'll tell you what, that Andrelton Simmons is a pretty good shortstop. He's he's pretty good. He kind of complains a lot. He does. He does complain, although, I mean, I think you can uh, – we're not going to get into this, but I think on the Odor side on, on Friday on Friday night that created some degree of uh, – Angst. Of, of anxiety. I, I think you can make the case on for both teams being uh, – taking the stance that they were. Odor was able to get to second base, was able to maintain it. Um, I, I think from the Angels' perspective, he he veered and veered back to second base, and he went in, um, he went in with his foot basically into the shin of of uh, mm. of um, Simmons. Simmons. Simmons, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no biggie. And then I, on Saturday night, there was the Rangers went in hard on Simmons and Mike Trout. Mike Trout. Mike Sosha said the next day that he had no issue with the slot. Or, or Simmons went in, was called out for interference. Right. He said he had no no problem with the way the rule was called there. Right. Yeah. So and shouldn't have. No. No. Okay. Kevin, listen, have fun in Waco today. Are you going to go to um, Magnolia Table? No. It's apparently no, the just, hottest thing in Waco. Uh, that's what I hear. Chip yeah, and Joanna are waiting on you. They have done more for Waco than. Baylor has done for Waco, I think. They have. It's unbelievable. The Chip and Joanna. They're 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 the they're the the go go to kids. All right, Evan. For everybody in here and everybody out there, see you. Bye bye.
Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see ya.